Things change from one generation to the next. Attitudes, politics, technology, even lifestyles. But when it comes to business, there's one thing every generation has in common. The pursuit of excellence. Welcome to Generation Excellence. A conversation with next-gen leaders of family businesses who are working to preserve the past and innovate the future. And now, here's the host of Generation Excellence and a third-generation business owner himself, Jamie Michelson. Jamie? General RV is the nation's largest family-owned RV dealership with 13 sales and service locations in six states. What today numbers 500 service bays and thousands of RVs in every shape and size started from a single mobile gas station in Detroit about 66 years ago. I sat down with Lauren Vadis, the president and one of the third generation leaders of General RV at their Wixom, Michigan headquarters to talk about some of the milestones in his business and how he's incredibly focused, not on getting bigger, but on getting better. It's a pleasure to welcome today's guest on Generation Excellence, Lauren Betis. So, Good morning, Lauren. Thanks for having me at uh, General RV. And uh, try not to date these podcasts, but it is negative temperatures as we talk about kind of people celebrating the joy of getting around and being outdoors. Yes. <laughs> Something ironic <laughs> in that. Uh, so, in a, and we'll do our meandering ways, but if you would, take our listeners back those who may or may not or they think they know the general rv story kind of back you know 65 plus years and abe's story and all of that uh and 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 sort of touch on some of the milestones along the way yeah it's uh it's a pretty remarkable story and it's it's a fun one to tell uh i get to tell a lot which is great um you know years and years ago 60 plus years ago uh, my grandfather uh, abe betis had a, uh, had a partner and uh, started a gas stations um, and uh, had found out, realized that there was probably a little bit more future in selling RVs than there was uh, pumping gas and selling gas and uh, got into it and uh, him and his partner uh, started a general, what it used to be back then was general trailer manufacturing is what it was called. Okay. Um, so they, uh, they not only sold RVs, but they built utility trailers and along the way, actually, uh, small time actually built truck campers as well. So our original name was General Trailer Incorporated Manufacturing because uh, we sold and built stuff um, and built truck caps for the back of trucks as well. Um, and that location was where? Uh, that was down on 8 Mile. Okay. So we were uh, on 8 Mile between Southfield and Evergreen on the, uh, on the north side of, of 8 yep. Mile there. It's across from Sign of the Beef Carver, which... Don't know if it's still there or not. Building might be, <laughs> but uh, the existing building's gone. The neighbors bought it when we moved out of there in 1993. But uh, um, so they uh, they started that and uh, added a second store. At that point, my my dad, who was in uh, Ithaca, New York, okay, with my mom, who was getting her master's degree. They had had my my brother, an older brother, he was four years older. Um, and he had just been born, and my dad was a teacher. He was a physics teacher. And a golf coach in a small town huh. called Grinnell. Sure. Yep. And uh, and uh, he wanted to start a bar with his friends. He wanted to go into business. And my grandfather, Abe, at the time was like, are you crazy? You have a kid and a wife. You don't want to start a bar. I have a business. Why don't you come back and be my partner? And at that point, my grandfather and his partner, Chet, were not getting along. Okay. The, the, the direction of the company both wanted to take it different directions. And... Uh, 
they basically came to a conclusion, and my dad convinced my uh, or my mom, mom and dad got convinced by Abe to come back to Michigan. And my dad became uh, partners with my grandfather. They bought out their other partner, Chet. And great, you know. And that took us to about 1971-72, and uh, and they started growing the business from there. And and uh, for yourself, so when did uh, you know as part of the third generation, right? When, yep. when did you get involved in the business or uh, how and how you know, I, about Yeah, I was always involved as a kid um, from, you know, company picnics to all that stuff, mm-hmm. exposed to that. But even more, um, like weekends, um, you know, getting jump in the car with dad, go to work on the weekends and, uh, you know, learn how to wash trailers, stock part shelves clean bathrooms. I mean, you kind of start from the bottom right, and work your right. way up. So, um, you know, in high school, if you wanted money to go do stuff, you need to go to work. So you get up and you go to work with dad or in the summertime, you know, you go do that. And uh, that's how I started in the business. And then I did that throughout college as well. Um, and uh, when I left college, I I didn't want to be part of the business. I wanted to go do my own thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I got involved uh, in the banking industry. Got hired by NBD Bank at the time, which is four acquisitions yes. later now. Uh, I'm Chase, a, I'm a Chase Bank, to Ch- the Chase family. Um, yeah. And uh, it took me about a year and a half uh, to realize uh, that the opportunity that I had at General RV was a pretty remarkable one. And uh, my dad would every couple months come by and, "Hey, how's the job? Mm-hmm. You should come work for me." Here's what it would look like. Uh, so he, he did a good job of recruiting me, but not pushing me. Um, so it was definitely my idea. And I told him, I said, if I'm going to do this, I'm in. Like, I'm not just going to come in for a couple of years and go do something else. If I say yes and I come back, this is what I'm going to do the rest of my life. And, um, I, but I haven't looked back. Besides the, the kind of, you know, those, your, your grandfather and the partner and that buyout, what are some of the other, like, kind of... Uh, stories that get retold of that, you know, 50, 60 years of the, their, or the earlier yeah. history or the good and the bad. Like, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's lots of stories that go along the way. And, and, you know, um, you look at expansion and some of the things that we've done. Um, you know, we had four stores here in the Detroit area and, uh, up until the mid eighties, um, they're all smaller stories sure. or stores. And, uh, and, my, at the time, my dad had his two brothers were in the business as well. Um, so uh, my, my uncle Randy, my uncle Rob, uh, and Randy, uh, they convinced, moved to Grand Rapids and started a store in Grand Rapids. So that was our fifth store. Randy moved to Grand Rapids, started the store, um, and then he was there for, ran the store probably eight, nine years. And then uh, he got out of the business. Okay. Was his transition, built the store, moved out. Um, and then uh, in 93, you know, we went from, um, you had five stores, they're all small, mom and pop stores, um, older buildings, um, and our eight mile store was just, I mean, it was, it was really small and it was getting, uh, it was getting old um, and that convinced my, uh, Rob was convincing my dad, uh, Rob's the other brother, that it was the forward thinker at the time. At this point, my dad's a little more conservative. And uh, he uh, convinced my dad, we get, we got to look at property and, and move. we got to go somewhere. This, there's this town called Wixom, mm-hmm. Michigan. And there's not a lot out there. Right. But I, we, you know, we could buy some land, put up a building. We could, you know, and finally convinced my dad this was a great idea. Um, so they, they bought 
six acres, I think it was five acres at the time, which was, you know, twice as much as they had, you know, um, which was a big deal. And uh, at the same time, Rob was also convincing my dad that we needed to go from three by five index cards for inventory to a computer system. We need to put everything on computers. And we what to, years around this, roughly was this? This is like 93. This is all right A little around. later, a lot of yeah, late 80s discussion yeah. with other businesses of computerization. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So like 92, 93. And he, uh, he finally convinced my dad to do this. We built the building. Great idea. We don't want to buy. There's four more acres. We're not going to buy that. Well, after a year of in the building, we've doubled the business. We need to buy the four acres of cross street. We have to pay more for it now. But... So, you know, expansion, growth, and then with the computer system, then all of a sudden the ease of doing business and the ease of getting information, not just from that store, but four stores that are off-site locations. places. Now all of a sudden you have this synergy to be able to move faster and and move forward. So after that, that was the impetus for the next growth phase of General RV in the 90s, which was taking all these small stores, putting it out on freeway frontage, paying a little bit more for property and buildings, but building these first-class facilities that would be, you know, kind of the crown jewels of, of what General RV was store doing. Store as a billboard and yeah, all that Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And that changed the whole mindset of, of who General RV was over that 10-year period. Got it. Uh, is there, you know, are there, I mean, you've got um, quotes on the walls and the timeline here at where the new Wixom headquarters, yep. right? And, and flagship, but like some just uh, quotes or credo or mantra from the people who precede you in building this business or things that get repeated. Uh. Yeah, I, and I don't know if it's a, it's necessarily a lot of specific stuff um, as far as quotes and you know something that they would say over and over again. Um, but it was more of a it's more of a culture and a thought process. Okay, um, you know. My, my grandfather was always into, um, you know, making sure that everybody that was in the building worked. You know, he was notorious for walking around making sure everybody was working. Um, you know, if you were standing there pushing a broom and sitting along the side of the wall, mm-hmm. he's like, what's that guy doing? Why is, he, why is he just standing there? You know, well, he needs to be working. He needs to be doing something. <laughs> you know, and if he caught him doing it twice, he'd be like, why is he working here? Is he supposed to be? He, he doesn't. He shouldn't have a job here. You know, so he was always the guy that was walking around, making sure everybody was working. That everybody old was, Dave Thomas Wendy's management by walking around absolutely. the MBWA. Okay. He was also the guy that would take the time every day and walk through the back shop and say hello to everybody. Great. He'd get his cup of coffee, and he would. He might spill it all over the place as he's walking around, but. You know, it might be his sixth one of the day. I mean, he drank 10 cups of coffee a day, but, um, and he would walk around and talk to everybody. And he would listen and ask questions to find out what was really going on in the building. You know, especially in the later years as I was coming in and he was still around, you know, he would come up to me and goes, do you know what's going on in the back shop with Mike? And do you know that service, sales and service aren't getting along about this. Do you know that Mr. and Mrs. Johnson didn't get their unit on time yesterday? So he would find Did out. Did you know? Some of it, yes. Okay. Uh, some of it, no. But um, but uh, he, that, was his, that was his way of managing. That's how he learned to manage. He didn't have a college degree when he started the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the way he learned. He learned how to interact with people. He was a great judge of character, and he asked really good questions. So you're leading a business now six days 13 locations going on more how do you how do how do you do that how do you stay how do you walk around the shop when it's 
the hallway is much longer it's, it's, in North America now. It, How do you do that? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and if there's probably a, an avenue I can always get better at, it's that. Um, but I, I try and, you know, when I'm up and about and walking around, I'm trying to talk to people and just have quick conversations. And whether it's about work or not about work, um, and have those relationships. I mean, do you use any technology stuff to connect with the other, you know, further the the newer locations or newer markets or more when you're there? No, it's more just making sure I get a chance to get out. I try and get out to the stores once a quarter, okay. you know, maybe three times a year um, and do try and walk through the whole building when I'm there and shake hands and say hello and just interact and just have conversations. And so now that we have 1,800 people, you know, my, I can't talk to 1,800 people. You know, I'd love to talk to 1,800 people, but my goal is to teach the next level and the level underneath us um, to do the same thing. So my managers at the store, the goal for them is to do- To be that To be that manager by walking around. Yeah. And, and when's the last time you walk back and talk to those guys, you know, and, and hey, if, if it's 100 degrees outside, they're working outside. Did you go buy them Gatorade or lunch mm -hmm. or, you know, what did you do to make their lives a little bit easier? You know, so understanding that it's all one big family and that's tough to do. Uh, some people it's more natural. Right. And, and other people it's, 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 you really have to show them. So even though we talk about details. computerization technology, you're trying to find those people that have that culture and that spirit of where this where this place comes from absolutely you know? and and that's you know we, we spent the last two years really working on our vision our mission mm -hmm. and our values um and then really steering it bringing it out in the forefront the last year um they've always been there it's always been kind of understood who we were and what we but were about codifying and getting them down and capturing them for future people yeah that's absolutely. a common story of generational businesses it's there because that's what got you to this point and through all the tough stuff so you know timeline you have you talked about you know the newer and the bigger stores there's lots of successes with general rv are there one or two famous i don't know blunders mistakes the thing that didn't go right there's it's not all it's not all highs right but yeah no you always make mistakes the good thing i think we've always found is we don't make huge Okay. Huge mistakes. Gonna make mistakes yeah, but we don't, don't make them too big. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you know, um, if you're going to make a big commitment, make sure you you've done all your due diligence to make a uh, make a sound decision. If we've made a mistake consistently again and again, it's we either haven't built the building too big, or we haven't bought enough property to expand into, and we end up paying significantly more money uh, for more property or more money to expand the building. Um, Interesting, and we've done it in multiple locations, and so it's sort of mistakes almost of conservatism. Or it's like exactly. people go, "Oh, I, I never, I should have bought a bigger TV for the wall, right?" You know, you never, whatever they never say. thought it would be as, that important. But you know, so take this example. So we built this building here in 2014. So we moved from the the Wixom, the original Wixom location in '93, which we outgrew, um, which by the way was almost 10 years. We actually in '04. Um, bought property down in South Lyon. We bought 26 acres because right. we were going to expand. And then the market went backwards, so we didn't expand at that point. And then we ended up finding this piece of property. So 20 years later, we build a second headquarters, sell off that, that old piece, um, thinking, okay, this is it. This is our final coup de grace. We don't need to build anything else. So within three years, our corporate staff has now outgrown the second-story headquarters building 
we've got two more office buildings we've had to build and buy land and buy property and um so now we built two buildings one's vacant we're working on a tenant for that um you know until we need it Uh, but the other one's probably uh, at least half full right now awesome so it's just it's those type of lessons i guess we can say if if we've made a mistake we've underestimated our ability to grow and and part of that's our ability but part of that's also the market the market has been um, the last five or six years has been very good man right so you talked about mission and the values of this organization, this larger, you know, still independent family business. Talk about that vision piece for a little bit. Like, what do you see the future? What excites you about where this company is going, where the industry is going? I mean, it's, I guess it's fair to say this is one of those things that can't be completely digitized away. I mean, getting in an RV and going and experiencing nature in the world, you still have to physically do it. That's good. Yes. Uh, yeah, our, um, you know, when we look at what excites me is, uh, number one is, is we can we can get significantly better. I think we're, we're a really good company. There's things, a lot of things that we do really well, um, but there's a lot of opportunity for us to get better. Um, part of that's on us um, in some of our process and procedure and training our employees. Some of that's on um, using technology to help us um, serve the customer better mm-hmm. uh, and communicate better with the customer. and. And some of that's the onus from the customer that's saying, we expect more. Or they're pushing you or what they're expecting. The days of the Amazon world of I can buy this, click on it, and it can show up at my door today. Oh, and if I don't like it, I'm going to send it back right. um, and get my money back. So that mentality is starting to shift into RVs. Now, obviously, we can't just ship it to your door today. Mm-hmm. And you can't just give it back if you don't like it. But um, th- that... Uh, the the process of of um, you know not waiting and getting what they want today and um, communicating at a higher more efficient level um, is forcing us to have to be better at what we do and uh, one of the things we always talk about around here is you know everyone's like oh you've had all this amazing growth you've you've done this you've had you know how many more stores do you want to open and and I always go back to the word uh, better. You know, for us, it's not about being bigger. Bigger is not our goal. It's never right. been our goal. Our goal has been to be better. Okay. How do we how do we get better today from where we were yesterday? You know, what things are we working on to get better? Nice. And yeah. at the end of the day, sometimes that means bigger, but it doesn't always mean bigger. You know, so better. How do we how do we give our employees a better onboarding and training experience? How do we give them a better place to work, an environment that they get excited and want to come to work every day? How do we treat our manufacturers as partners? How do we do a better job with them and communicating with them? Um, and then with our overall our customers, you know, how do we give them a better you know, purchase, uh, delivery, and ownership experience? You know, those are those are really important to per- us. Personalize that a little bit, if you would. How for yourself? I know you like play some basketball still competitively as an adult to keep your oh, yeah. sanity and <laughs> your competitive instincts come out. But what, what kinds of things do you do to better yourself or to to have that inspiration for how this organization gets better and, and where you go next? No, it's a great question. Um, intrinsically, it's part, It's I think it's part of my DNA. Um, I just, there's something about getting up and trying to figure out how to do things okay. more efficiently, better, um, you know, it, not, not that it's about winning. I don't think there's necessarily a, a, 
a finish line and a right. goal. But, there is no, um, yeah, there is no finish line. Right. right? So yeah. there, and, and you get scoreboards every once in a while, um, you know, with stats or market share or, um, you know, profitability or, you know, different things you can use as scoreboards mm-hmm. to say, are we winning? Did that, was that successful? Um, those type of things. But um, I'm an intrinsically competitive and I think I get it from, I got a lot from my dad. My dad was super competitive. Um, you know, he's the, he was the dad that even though I was like six years old and we're playing risk, he would crush you. Like, he's not going to take it easy. Either. Right. Like, you have to learn how to get better. And if you're facing better competition, it's only going to make you better. Lose, actually. Too, right. right. Yeah. And learn, yeah. It, learn how to lose, but learn how, when you lose, learn from it. Right. So learn how to get better. You know, what instincts, let's not make the same mistake twice. Um, so really that kind of acumen I always had. And, and again, yes, basketball, I play basketball. It's still competitive. I'm coaching basketball now. Okay. And also super competitive with that too. Um, but also trying to learn, get the kids to learn from those experiences. When we lose, you know, how do we get better? What do we, what do we take away from today? Because if it's just a loss and well, that, that's, that right. sucks. The le- I can't, the le- it's got to be more the than lessons that. in the process. There's got to be lessons in the process. Absolutely. That's a great, great way to put it. And, and you've got, so you talk about your father clearly as a, a, a you know, key role and a mentor. Who, who else kind of do you mentor or learn things from within the business or, for, or you know, farther afield? Um, you know, obviously uh, reading books, there's tons of great, you know, whether it's uh, sports books or business books where you can get some um, just good thought process of, of kind of um, winning, losing, preparedness, competitiveness. Um, like you know. a John Wooden or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. How, how do you keep yourself, or do you, do you ever have where people at General Review are going, oh, what book did Lauren read lately? <laughs> there's some email or something thrown at people, or you're I'm, able to filter that? I'm not, yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge reader, so I, don't get me, I'm not out reading a ton, a ton of books. Um, that's, that's not necessarily my MO. Um, I'm really more of a sports guy. So I take a lot of things that happen in sports and try and translate them into okay. business and into life. Um, so that's really where I get a lot of my um, either quotes or theories sure. or thought processes. Um, you know, so to me, that's where that that's where I bring a lot of that stuff in here. And, and so some of the guys that are we sports share that. guys, we share that. Yeah. yeah, some of the guys in here that are really good sports guys get it, and they're like, "Oh yeah, that's really good." And then you get some guys that are not as sports, and they're like, "Oh, I guess I didn't think about it that way." Right. You know? But um, I, I'm a proponent of you know you. Try not to reinvent the wheel. Um, learn from other people. Take great ideas from other people and incorporate what makes sense into you. Um, and so I'm always looking for, for good great. theories, good quotes, good thought processes. I mean, thinking about that the other way, you as mentor. So what advice? Are, are there some fourth-generation family in the not, business not yet? It, it, no, our, uh, our fourth generation um, is, is anywhere from mid-teens all the way down to like three years old similar to us maybe my kids are a little (laughs) older but i mean that's an exciting thing to envision or think about so you get a little closer to that one of them's set to enter the business like what advice would you give to the next gen that's going to enter um well i'll put it into two thought processes number one is we spent a lot of time in the last year or two talking about that as a group and really formalizing what that looks okay. like and writing down almost a kind of a family constitution. Great. Yep. And, and, and you know, we call it sort of the general RV constitution as to 
what it takes to work in this company. And keep that connectedness to the founders because otherwise it wouldn't be there. Yet. Absolutely. So kind of from their theory, their thought process, what's made us successful, and then what, what does that mean for somebody you know, that's younger that wants to get into the company? So we want to be able to provide that to them and say, hey, look, if you want to be a part of this, here's the minimum criteria and the expectation we have. Great. So trying to set that up today because we didn't really have that. Again, there, there was some of that back when I was younger, but it wasn't formalized, it wasn't sure. written, it was, it was Same more for talked our company about. Or, and, and part of my reason for doing this podcast is there aren't, there aren't that many businesses that have had the success you had, 65 years, three generations still, but there are some and they yeah. wanna they want to know they're not alone. Right. You know? yeah. And you've learned some of those things from and, others. And, and I'll, the, the second part of that is, you know, for me, and, and maybe it'll get a little harder when my kids get older. I, I've got 10, you know, 12, 10, and 8-year-olds. And, uh, you know, I want them to find something that they can get up and do that they love. Sure. Uh, I hope it's general RV, but it, but it, there's, there's a strong chance it might not be for all right. three. And I need to be okay with that. Um, and, and I'm working on that right now to make sure that I'm okay with that because I want them to be happy. I want them to be able to... You know, I get up and come to work every day, but I love it. I, I, I love coming to work. I love the people I work with. I love what I do, and I'm good at it. Um, I want them to be able to find that, whatever that is. Um, and, and, again, hopefully nice. it's general RV, but hopefully we find it. Um, I'll tell you, there's one other good story that kind of ties into that, that that I always share is, um, so my dad, when I came into the business in 1998, in 1998 um, he had an article, a business article, and he gave it to me, and it was about generational business. And it had a, you know, a, it was a good description of everything, but then it had, like, charts. And it said, okay, less than 10% of family businesses transition to second-generation right. owners. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's my dad, that's my uncle. And, uh, and then it was uh, less than... Uh, 1% of those transition to a third generation successfully. And I read through it and it gave all the reasons why. And I looked at him like, so he's giving me a 1% chance to be successful. Right, right. So I came back into him. I'm like, either you're trying to scare me or motivate me. He's like, maybe a little, a little both. Little. <laughs> I've seen slightly different numbers on that. But yeah, the same. I think... Uh... The, 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 the simplest phrase, you know, don't F it up was basically right. kind of what people have, have, have said. Right. Uh, you know, you talked a little bit about your, uh, you know, leadership style and all that. As far as making, it's hard to describe it or define, about make, like making decisions. How do you, how do you make decisions? You're, you've got a banking finance background, so you've got some analytical chops, like, how do you do you think about how you make decisions or do you ever talk about your process for that? I've started to the last number of years really trying to think about that and then see what I can do to, to, Based to on get ones. better. Yeah. yeah, to see if I can get better. Better, getting better. And yeah. then be able to maybe translate that down to the next group of managers at our store, directors um, at our at our corporate level. Um, I I don't take a long time to make decisions. Okay. So um, you know, I, I, I think your first gut reaction is usually pretty good, and then you need to find some facts to back it up. <laughs> um, so if, if you've got, you know, 90% of the information, and to get the other 10% of the information is going to take weeks, and it's we can make an impact today, let's make an impact. Let's okay. move forward. Um, and, 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 and you know what? If we need to, let's get a couple people's opinions involved. 
know, let's bounce it off this person. Let's bounce it off this person. What do you think? Yep. Okay, great. We all agree. Let's move on. You know, and let's make a decision. And, and, and as long as it's, it's the same, um, it fits within our values and our mission statement, the direction of the company, let's move on. You know, I, I don't, not one to, to drag things out and, okay, we need to analyze, uh, analyze uh, this side and this side and this side. I remember hearing something about Bob Nardelli, one company he was working for. He's like, I'll give you a fast yes or a fast no, but not a slow maybe. You know? Yes. Yeah, it's like people want, you want that answer rather than stuff that just hangs around. Correct, correct. And also, um, I try and give our people a voice in everything we do. So if it comes to me and I'm the one making all the decisions, We've failed somewhere along the way. And, and working with you all, I definitely see and sense and feel that. Yep. Which is which is great. A- any uh, new skill or capability or something yourself that you're working on or experimenting with or that's, know, a gr- that's another trying really something question. new? Um, I- I'm really working on um, really helping our guys become leaders and teachers. So as we've gotten bigger, you know, a lot of our great people within our company. So your family doers. business roots is both teacher and general RV. Okay. That's right. That's right. Um, and my wife loves it because my wife is a former teacher. Right. So when I tell her some of the things that work, she says, oh, you know, she's pretty excited about it. Yeah, here, what about this? What about this? So she's actually engaged in some of it too. Um, but what we found is over the, over the years, the best people in our organization were the doers. And that just came to work, grinded it out, made great decisions. They worked harder than the other person. You know, sometimes worked smarter, but but rose to the next level. Okay. And, and became the leaders of the company. Well, the problem is, as those leaders continue to go up and up the ladder, they're still doers. They're still, yeah. And, yep. and they're now in a position where they're trying to still do everything, and they can't. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to teach all of those doers how to be leaders, how to be teachers, how to coach you know um, one of the big things was talking about okay if you're you know how many player coaches are there left in the world in sports there's not very few yeah because you can't i mean 34 years ago you could have but 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 now you think about it you can't be in the game anymore you have to be on the sideline you have to be coaching teaching developing letting them make mistakes correcting them helping them develop into the next level and sometimes it's really really hard for some of our people including myself because I was a doer as well. I was a let's go in and let's get it done. Right. Let's. Uh, I'm gonna outwork you. And um, and now it's okay. We don't want you to work harder. We need you to work smarter. And we. I just got a great email from one of my directors who was at a show this weekend, and he's like, you know, we're working a deal. Sales manager was went in and really did it the wrong way. He's like, instead of stopping and correcting him and doing it for him, I let him go through it. You know, and then afterwards, I pulled him aside and said, "Hey, you know, if we had done this, this, and this, the post game, we yeah. would have, we probably would have been able to get this deal done, and it would have looked like this." And and so the next deal happened, and he did it the next way, got it done, and moved forward. So, it's it's those little wins I'm looking for out of my yeah, the small wins you do celebrate the small because. I mean, there's the ribbon cuttings and the new yep. place in Ocala and all, but you need the yeah the daily little things. It, and, the, and a lot for our doers, too. They're, they're super competitive, and, and they're very much like me on a competitive scale. And when you're in the trenches and you make a, make a sale or make a customer happy or do those things, that feeds into your energy and keeps you motivated and keeps you going. Well, now that you're not that guy in the trenches or girl in the trenches, and you're up here, you don't get those daily wins. Yeah. And so... 
they feel a little bit lost sometimes, and that's why they kind of drift back into those doer Right, you, dive, you don't want to be coming and going, diving in and out. Yeah. So you, they need to find how to celebrate those other mm-hmm. accomplishments along the way instead of getting back into the trenches. So we've been talking a lot about, you know, so you got to celebrate even those little wins, like that story I just told you. You need to celebrate that. You should go home and cherish that moment and know that was a huge impact. And then how can we do that with another person and another person? And that's how you're going to influence and have all your wins. And then at the end, you know, look at the end of the month or the end of the quarter or the end of the year, you influence that bigger goal instead of just that one specific, you know, sale. And try to remember those yeah. things. So it's, it's definitely a change in, in a little bit of thought process over the last probably two years. So you talk about kind of being in the game, if you will. How family businesses, you know, you can have a, and there's a number of family members in this, and it's a big, this yep. 1,800 plus people. When you're together with others, how are you able to talk about other things, not have have it be all business all the time? How do you how do you draw with the family, with the extended family, if it's a Sunday night dinner, how do you how do you all draw that line or separate or or get the subject to be about other things? Or does it or is it always a board meeting? It's that's that's it's tough. I think um, it kind of ebbs and flows a little bit. I think that the issue for us is we, we talk about business a lot, but it's not debates and it's not arguments and it's not, it's just conversation and it's, Hey, what about this? Or what about that? Or, um, everyone's able to cr- contribute, participate. So yeah. people don't have, they're not rolling their eyes or left out or any Correct. of those kind of things. Okay. Yeah. So it's not a, it's not a grind it. It's, it's a very casual conversation. It's very much, um, but we also have a lot of things going on outside of work for the kids with, with my three kids, with Wade Lanise's three kids, with um, Chris Davis's two kids, and you know, so Rob's got grandkids. So we talk about all that stuff, and they're sure. involved in different things. So um, we do a good job about separating it for sort the of most ba- part. Kind of boundaries, if you there will. are, okay. yeah, yeah. All right, and yeah, I mean, and I guess that reality of of family and business is just something. I, I, I just you hear stories, so you just wonder how different groups deal with it and as you've grown and you're bigger and you talk about those you know those that sort of coaching do do you feel like are people able to come directly to you is there some triangulation that goes on or do do direct conversations happen here at general rvs between me and other yeah you and others or my i i'm a big my door is always open um so if unless i'm on a conference call doing a podcast uh, my doors open. You do this all the time. Yeah, you know. Um, no, my first one. Thank you. Uh, but uh, my doors open, and if there's issue, problem, question, just come on in. Great. And um, if I've got a big project or big something, I'll close my door and and close myself off. But you know, that's not that's not the norm. It's it's usually open, um, and we're all the same way. So whether it's Rob, my uncle, whether it's Chris Davis or Wade, um, we're all that way. And so, um, you know, I've got a couple technicians or salesperson that I hired that's here at Wixom back when I ran the store. And just last week, one of them came up, just sat in, came in and said, well, hey, I haven't seen you in a couple of weeks. How are things? How was your Christmas? You know, nice. You know, we chat and do that kind of stuff. So those are those those relationships are always still really important. And, and then take us out, if you will. I mean, your business is a business, but it's also RVing. And so you've, you've gotten to 
being RVs with family members, with friends around the country, like what's a what's a great Lauren RV story that that uh, that you've told about, uh, or that's or that's memorable or special? The, or something? the the really the last one that we've done with the kids, um, and and we don't do a ton of RV travel. It's just my time. Um, just to go do an RV trip is, is very difficult. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, to go and then go into a campground and it would be work for me. So if I pull in a campground with my kids and do everything, my kids are going to tell everybody what I do, what we do. Cause that's what campgrounds are. You get to meet your neighbors. You talk about who you are, where mm-hmm. you came from, all that Can't stuff. about that. So I'm the RV it's guy. It's not really a getaway. It's not a getaway. It would be jumping right into work all day, every day. Um, and that's that's not my intent. And I don't want my kids to be involved in that at that part of it. So our our transition for RVing is uh, my my wife's brother uh, lives in Port. Uh, they live in Portland now, but they were in Pittsburgh for a couple years. So last two Memorial Days, we jumped in a classy motorhome, drove down, and they had a small condo. We just parked it in their driveway for three nights and um, stayed at their place. So we didn't really camp, but we 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 drove in the RV and we stayed had in the, the RV, RV experience. and we had the RV experience, and the kids loved it. I mean, they they fought over who was sleeping in a bunk and who was sleeping in the overhead right. cab and. Um, just a great experience. And so we try and give them some of those experiences without having to give them, you know, all of the other things that go along with it, but they enjoy it. It's, it's a, it's an amazing fun that I can, I get why people enjoy it and love it and are passionate about it. Well, Lauren, Lauren we call this podcast generation excellence. I think you're representing that and even trying to continue that excellence. I, I thank you. And, uh, maybe we'll do this again in the future. Generation Excellence is hosted by me, Jamie Michelson, with help from SMZers Eric Freiberger, Sam Daly, Eric Head, and Joel Bienenfeld. Thanks also to Randy and his team at Stage 3 Audio. Thank you for listening, and please give some of the other episodes a try. One more thing, if you have comments or a suggested future guest, please don't be afraid to contact me.